while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Barrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. We will also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. And, um, yeah, you can call and can app chat. So, lucky you. Two ways to, two ways to chime in on the conversation. So, um... Give me a buzz or, or shoot me a shoot me a text. I'm I'm here till ten. I also have um, <laughs> I also have Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. He's going to call in in the eight o'clock hour. <clears throat> he was at a uh, crisis negotiation conference uh, this week, so I want to ask him about that. He has a media availability tomorrow at eleven. Um, so, uh, he can preview that a little bit. It's going to be in the wing of the jail that was, uh, the, the, um, the section of the jail that was, um, trashed by, uh, who they have identified as 20 or so inmates that have since been, um, uh, transferred to other, um, jails throughout the Commonwealth or prisons throughout the Commonwealth. And uh, are expected to be charged uh, if they haven't been charged already. We should probably track that a little bit to see where those cases are going. But five to the extent that we can. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Um, I also want to congratulate Taylor Cormier, uh, our friend and yours. Uh, he was the he was here at WBSM for for some time as uh, a both a talk show host and our news director he had since uh, moved to the Howie Car Show and he's been the executive producer there for some time now uh, of the Howie Car Show you can typically hear him from 3 to 7 um, but and he takes hosting duties uh, there as well um, but uh, he, he just um, just had a uh, just had a second child uh, was born either yesterday or the day before I think it was yesterday but Barry Richards got a story on WBSM.com you can check out. So congrats to Taylor. Uh, happy for him. We all are. And I know you all are too. So 508-996-0500. I did want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff we had covered last night. Um, there is still more to talk about, I think, with the Mayor's State of the City address. 
he has a um i have this i got handed uh this um little booklet the standard of appearance for the public realm uh, a plan um from my estimation is essentially to make a bre- better presentation of a lot of um specific landmarks and roadways and public areas in the city and so um i got a chance to read through that i want to talk to you a little bit about that this evening and i also want to talk more about that mbta lawsuit and some of the some of the responses that have come from the uh, the members of the state delegation we had chris markey on last night chris markey the state rep from dartmouth uh, also represents parts of New Bedford as well in the North End Ward One, I believe. And he was—I I would say—I would categorize his responses not pulling any punches. Uh, he expressed some frustration with this particular uh, this particular maneuver um, that uh, the city is has um, organized and to sue the MBTA or potentially sue the MBTA over the land takings for the um, for uh, South Coast Rail. So we're going to talk about that as well. I think it's really I think it's really interesting um, and Something we're going to monitor, as uh, Rep. Markey said, and Rep. Markey's an attorney, um, and his dad was the uh, his dad was the hey, how's it going? Hey, his dad was the um, uh, uh, was the um, mayor of uh, New Bedford um, from the seventies through the early eighties too. Um, so I think everybody's familiar with Rep. Markey and his roots in the city, and so he, you know, he had he had some things to say. And so we'll um, we'll talk more about that as well, and we'll talk to you. Uh, happy uh, May the Fourth! May the Fourth be with you. <laughs> if there's any Star Wars uh, fans out there, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I always like to mention it. Um, you know, I I like most of the movies that have come out, but if you want to message me today and let me know what your favorite Star Wars movie is, especially I think a more interesting conversation now that. Disney bought the rights, uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm and for like a billion dollars and uh, has produced a lot more Star Wars content. And so, uh, and I think has actually, I think it's been good for the, I think it actually has been good for the, for the IP, uh, you know, what, what Disney has done with it. Some of it I'm not a huge fan of, but a lot of it I am. And I think a lot of it, a lot of most people are as well. But if you want to let me know your your favorite Star Wars movie, I'd be interested to know that. That'll be a floating topic throughout the uh, throughout the show, and we'll take your app chat messages and we'll take your calls on it. My favorite Star Wars movie, I think, is Rogue One, which is a prequel uh, to. It's sort of a prequel to the Star Wars trilogy. It's basically about how the Death Star had that fatal flaw, got that fatal flaw in it that allowed Luke Skywalker to make that shot, um, into the, uh, um, make that, uh, you know, take that shot into the, in, in the trench run that blew up the whole Death Star in the first, uh, A New Hope, the first movie in the Star Wars trilogy. So in the original Star Wars trilogy, I would say that's my favorite. Empire Strikes Back is probably my, uh, second favorite. I mean, a lot of people, that's, that's usually their favorite. It's considered like one of the 10 best movies of all time in a lot of circles. So, 
I completely understand that. But um, I'm interested to hear if there's any Star Wars fans out there what their favorite Star Wars movie is. So that'll be a floating topic throughout the show. We'll take your calls and we'll take your app chat message on that. Which, you know, not your favorite Star Wars movie, but also your favorite Star Wars property. It could be some of the TV shows that have come out. could be some of the, you know, live action TV shows, the cartoons, the books, the comics, whatever you like about Star Wars. I'd love to hear it because I'm a big fan of, uh, I'm a big fan of Star Wars and still am. Video games. Whatever you'd like. So 508-996-0500. Let's talk about the MBTA lawsuit, though. So if you haven't heard, there is a... We talked about it a lot last night, but it's worth talking about again because it's important. This got picked up by the Boston Globe. We had Matt Stout on yesterday, who's a reporter at the Boston Globe, a politics reporter, who typically covers stuff around the Statehouse, um, but he had discovered a story down here. And it was a pretty big story. Basically, they had um, there was a draft complaint drafted by the city of New Bedford. Well, drafted by outside counsel, but on behalf of the city of New Bedford to sue the NBTA over some land takings that they had that they had. Um, that they had and sue the uh, state, the Massachusetts um, Bay Transportation Authority, the MBTA, to sue the MBTA over some land takings that they had executed uh, for the South Coast Rail Project. And they did that exercising their authority under eminent domain. For people who aren't, you know, I'm sure a lot of most people are familiar with the general term of the uh, of of uh, eminent domain. Um, you know, uh, it's something that I think is talked about quite a bit in most um, uh, civics classes, right? But eminent domain is uh, firmly entrenched in the Fifth Amendment, right? A lot of years, decades of, of centuries at this juncture of jurisprudence around it. And it's basically the government's right to take private property, um, take take private or really even public property and convert it into a public use. Um, so it has to serve some legitimate public uh, purpose. In this case, that per- public purpose would be transportation, right? The land for the railroad tracks that will lead from New Bedford and Fall River up to Boston for the long-awaited South Coast Rail Project, which about you know 30 or 40 years in the making there really wouldn't be (laughs) rail service anywhere without the exercising of eminent domain um abraham lincoln famously uh, exercised eminent domain over thousands and thousands of acres of land uh in order to um build out our uh you know the railroad system which changed the way you know we not only that we got around uh, in America at the time, especially, but how um, we shipped goods, uh, and that still remains important today, right? Um, you know, you saw what happened over in uh, in Ohio, right? Uh, you saw what over uh, happened in uh, in in Ohio with the derailment of that um, of that uh, of the train that blew up, right? And because it was carrying some pretty harmful substances. But the point of the matter is 
rail still plays, while it's not maybe necessarily traveled on as much as it might have uh, might have been when it was basically the primary. It was the primary mode of long-term transportation in America, but it it um, it still does play a critical role in the transportation of, of goods and services. But in this case, it, you know, we saw that play out too with the railroad strike and all the fear around um, how. You know the basically the railroad union, the railroad workers unions, um, collective bargaining efforts were essentially killed by Joe Biden in the in Congress um, because of you know basically their argument is its importance to that means of transportation. But uh, we're talking actually about the transportation like passenger rail, right? So eminent domain is a critical part of really these types of public infrastructure projects. And there are some disputes. There have been some disputes about whether or not, because they have to give you uh, just compensation for the fair market value of your property. So whatever your property is worth in the market, that's what they pay you. And then they take the property and they do what they want with it. And... The powers of eminent domain are pretty, pretty comprehensive. Again, firmly entrenched in the Fifth Amendment. If you, for example, if you lived near a highway or maybe even if you lived near a railway and they wanted to take your house to, they wanted to take the property where your house is to build a track and it was, you know, necessary for a legitimate public purpose. They could do that and they'd just pay you what your property's worth. And then there's really nothing you could do about it. The only recourse you typically have is challenging what you may have received from the government in fair market value. So there have been some private property owners in New Bedford specifically um, who have sued over South Coast, who have sued over the takings in South Coast Rail based on what they'd gotten paid. And those have been successful. The um, the judge, uh, I mean, the court had ruled basically that uh, they MBTA or the state didn't pay them what it was worth, so that they had to pay them more. The city of New Bedford, Mayor John Mitchell, had felt that what they had put into some of the the properties, um, I think over on Church Street, that were taken by South Coast Rail, uh, that were taken in service of South Coast Rail, were not paid. The fair market value. We're not compensated for the fair market value of what they were worth, and I think they went a bit further to say in this complaint. They went a bit further to say that this that this um, this taking itself, the government exercising its right to take the property was essentially illegitimate under the law, right? And it was because they weren't an MBTA district at the time of the taking. So there was some concern. There was some, there was some, uh, there was some significant blowback uh, from the members of the state delegation, from the, um, from the members of the state delegation specifically. One, because they 
you know, they were they felt completely blindsided by the news. And two, because they feel like this undermines a project and jeopardizes a project that they had been spending a great deal of political capital on. The state has been spending a great deal of financial capital on for over the course of the last few years. And something that the delegation, uh, especially reps like Strauss and, and Montigny, um, had been working on for 30 to 40 years, right? Bill Weld famously said, Governor Bill Weld in the early 90s, I believe he went to Fall River, he said this in Fall River outside of, outside of City Hall, but he said, if I don't, if I don't, um, if I don't get South Coast rail, then you can, or if we don't get rail down here, then you can vote me out, right? Or basically, I don't deserve to be reelected. He didn't do that. And he was reelected anyway. Um, I remember Rep. Bill Strauss came on uh, when, when Jack Splane was on a few months ago. It was in December, I believe. But he had talked about how Charlie Baker had essentially, he had essentially had, you know, willed this project into existence by using a great deal of pragmatism to find the best possible solution to one of their issues. One of the issues was that a lot of people, Mayor Mitchell included, and I think most people, wanted the Stoughton route. So there's two routes, basically. There's the first route that we're going to get now is the extension of the Middleborough line. So there'll be stops in Fall River and New Bedford that extend through the Middleborough line and up to Boston into South Station for South Coast Rail, right? What that's they're estimating that's going to be about a 90 minute ride to Boston. What the what people originally were lobbying for was the Stoughton route which cuts through the Hockamock Swamp and is about a 70 to 70, I think it was 77, but around, a, let's say, in the ballpark of a 70-minute train ride. It's a lot quicker. And not only that, I think provides a lot more time, a lot more opportunity for more times, um, more commuter times, because I think one of the other, um, we'll say, one of the other uh drawbacks of not getting the Stoughton route was that there are going to be fewer routes available because of the choke points in which this South Coast Rail will have to travel through um, the MB, you know, through the, uh, the all the other commuter rail services in the MBTA. But by and large, most most of our elected officials, the overwhelming majority of the elected officials in not just the state delegation, but local elected officials do view rail this version of South Coast Rail, even though it's not the optimal, ideal version of South Coast Rail that everybody had originally wanted as an absolute net positive for the for the region. Um, anywhere where there is rail service, for the most part, has seen a growth in economic development. I remember I had somebody on from Transportation from Massachusetts a while back, and they had talked about uh, uh, Josh uh, Ostroff. He was the executive director of transportation for Massachusetts, which is a lot basically, you know, like a, 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 a NGO, non-governmental organization that lobbies for transportation reform in the Commonwealth. And they had said they had talked. He had talked about Worcester and how Worcester got rail service in the early '90s, and since then, uh, it that has since been couple, you know, uh, correlative 
with um, you know a significant economic uh, significant economic growth. You can go to the Freetown Middleborough Station. There are a lot of um, you can see a lot of the uh, the houses, the condominium developments, and all of that in that area. Um, there, so there's oh, there has been where the train is. There has always been a net positive in growth. And I remember Bill Strauss saying um, that essentially due to some of the um, some of the more vocal members of the elected officials down here really are stumping for the Stoughton route and some to the, the point of not even wanting the Middleborough route. Charlie Baker could have just had it had an escape hatch because remember, Charlie Baker was against South Coast Rail in 2010 uh, when he first ran for governor against Deval Patrick. He lost. Uh, it was a fairly close race. It wasn't. It wasn't a blowout. And I know there was a third party candidate uh, in that race. I'm, I'm saying. I'm not saying Charlie Baker would have won if it wasn't for that third party candidate. But I think it was like forty one to forty seven percent. And I think there was a. I think there was another guy. Um, what's his name? Cahill. Was it Cahill? Who had like eight percent of the vote, or was or seven percent of the vote? So even if you gave that other guy all the all of all those votes to Charlie Baker, which wouldn't have happened, he still would have lost. But it was still a fairly close. It was still a fairly close race. Charlie Baker comes back again four years later. The seats open. He is now a proponent of South Coast Rail. I think in part because he may have believed that that was one of the things that was one of the positions he took that cost him the election. Um, and so he became a proponent of it. He had stumped for it. And I remember Reb Strauss, who's the who's the chairman of transportation, saying essentially that Charlie that Charlie Baker um, could have at that point and was being advised to by some of his uh, by some some of the people around him to get out of the South Coast Rail project. Say, listen, you don't actually have to do this because. You can say, oh, well, you want the Stoughton route. Mm, it's too bad because there's too many. You got to go through the Hockamock Swamp. There's a lot of environmental concerns. There's other concerns from people in those communities. And, you know, it's really it's really a, a too complicated. And that's the only route that these, some of these people want. And so you can basically get out of this. There's, there, there's an escape hatch here if you don't want to take it. You know, you have an excuse. Here's your excuse. You don't have to take it. But I remember what Strauss said was he worked with Charlie Baker in his office because Charlie ba- the governors have essentially a, a ceremonial office, right? You know, a real nice, and they've got the pictures and all that, a little more decadent. And Charlie Baker had a famously like very um, minimalist working office, and so he said he was in he was in that he was in the working office with Governor Baker. And Governor Baker, you know, went to his whiteboard and really hammered out a, uh, a way in which South Coast Rail could work. So there was significant political capital expended by not just the state reps, but also the, the governor at the time, who was being advised by people close to him to not do this project. But he still went for, he still uh, went forward with it anyway. So we're at this juncture now where rail service is coming in October, November, late 2023. We're going to have South Coast Rail. And there is a lawsuit that is floating around, a potential lawsuit, a draft complaint that's been floated uh, that basically is trying to challenge the the legitimacy of the takings, um, the legitimacy of the takings for the rail, which I'm not saying that that part of the complaint would have been entertained in a serious way. 
but if it could be entertained in a serious way, would have sweeping, um, would have sweeping, uh, it would set a precedent, essentially. It would set, it would set a precedent for how sweep, uh, like broad implications for essentially how the MBTA can build out rail service, not just here in the South Coast for the Stoughton route or for anything else, but across the Commonwealth, if they said these takings were, were, um, were illegitimate. So, but the fact of the matter is, I think the concern was that they were willing to put that on the record. And it seemed to be uh, from people who knew, uh, people who know about eminent domain law, that Boston Globe article mentions, uh, that Boston Globe article mentions the um, the uh, the uh, they, they, that Matt Stout had spoken with eminent domain attorneys, and they said this is actually an unprecedented claim, right? So Mayor Mitchell said yesterday, he said, you know, uh, you know, in any type of legal work that is uh, that any type of you know draft complaint in a civil case, you know, you always. You know, always address all of the you know the legitimate claims that you may have. Rep. Markey replied, who again is a practicing attorney, he said, "Well, you do have a right to first. You do have an obligation as an attorney not to add frivolous claims, um, right? Not to add frivolous claims to a civil complaint. And this is something that even uh, lawyers who practice eminent domain said is unprecedented. And if if entertained, could." seriously jeopardize not this this not just this project but projects throughout the commonwealth if you get it on the record here's the thing if you get something on the record if you're willing to move forward with something it gives it it builds momentum it builds momentum that's what i was trying to that's what i was talking about with the, some of these non-binding questions that were being floated right like the cpa question oh it's non-binding it's never gonna you know it's it's not gonna happen anyway who cares well it builds momentum towards something that could be it could be potentially disastrous. Mayor Mitchell, Mayor Mitchell dismissed that. He said, now that we are an MBTA district, they could just go to the Registry of Deeds and basically uh, execute the taking now. But the, the other state reps who are, again, our attorneys, have, I think, been less, I'll say, a little bit more concerned uh, about the claims that are being made. And, and Rip Markey had said last night that, you know, he, considering the amount of money that has been invested in New Bedford, right, said considering that, you know, they added uh, another $11 million to the footbridge um, because of the request of the city of New Bedford and because of the um, other improvements that are, oh, because they held out uh, the building out of the platforms because the city wanted another year of revenue for the uh, Wales Tooth parking lot for, um, you know, for the, the ferry to Martha's Vineyard, right? Because they had gotten all that, which was millions of dollars. So because they had gotten all that, this request was essentially fairly unreasonable. He said it makes more sense for a private entity to do stuff like this. Um, private entities, but for public entities to another public entity, especially when, you know, the, the end goal is a generational investment in rail, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. And, and in fact, it hamstrings the members of the delegation who had spent a lot of political capital to get this project done because they're moving forward. They're, you know, they're over there. They're talking to leadership on Beacon Hill. They're talking to other members of the delegation that they've had to sign on to certain projects, certain spending bills. 
And they're saying, well, we're we're over here. We're sticking our neck out for this. Meanwhile, the mayor of New Bedford or the city of New Bedford is doing that. They're saying, well, actually, we're not. We don't like how this is going. We don't like how this is going, despite all of, uh, as Rep. Markey had framed it, the expenditures that they had put into this. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this is going to play out. The Markey had said the statute of limitations runs out Saturday. So uh, he said essentially it would be extended to Monday because Saturday is the weekend. Courts aren't open. And it'd be extended to Monday for that suit to be filed. And so it is a very much an 11th hour play, and we'll see how it goes. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus Farrow. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBS BSM uh, app chat. And I think we do actually have... A few app chats. Again, we got Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. He's calling in in the uh, we've he's calling in in the eight o'clock hour. He's going to talk with us about he's got a media availability tomorrow um, in the wing of the Ash Street Jail. Uh, I'm not Ash Street Jail. The Dartmouth Jail. That's going to be that's going to that was trashed. Um, um, and, uh, he was also at a crisis negotiation conference. So I'm going to talk to him about that. Um, we do have some app chats. Uh, we've got, uh, Bill from Fairhaven saying, uh, my favorite, um, my favorite Star Wars movie is Empire Strikes Back. Saw it when I was a kid, loved it. Yeah, I you know what? I you don't realize it now cuz it's so ingrained in the uh in the um in the discourse in like in like the in like pop culture, but the reveal that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. Someone actually had a video recording of that in when it came out, right? And People, when it came, uh, when that movie came out, was it 80, 1980, right? I think it was 1980, and then I think Return of the Jedi was 83. It was 1980. Someone correct me on that. But, um, where he's like, I am your father. He was like, what? <laughs> also, a good example of the, um, of the Mandela effect. Uh, where people think that something was said in a different way in which it was said, like the words "beam me up, Scotty," were actually was actually never said in Star Trek. Beam me that those words "beam me up, Scotty" never said in sound that never said in that order in Star Trek. Uh, or when Luke, I am your father, it's actually no, I am your father. So yeah, Empire Strikes Back is good. Um. Uh. Someone asking me, uh, someone's asking me, does Mitchell hate South Coast Rail? I, no, I, listen, I don't think he does. He, he's, he said he's supportive of it. He mentioned it in his, his state of the city, his, his state of the city, um, address. I will say, and I've said this before, um, I do think he's a bit more pessimistic, uh, than the rest of the elected officials on, on, on its benefit. Actually, he is. It's, I mean, he said, I think we need to be realistic about its, bene- its benefits. 
I've never thought that was. I mean, he's, I guess he's just being straightforward. I've never thought that that was necessarily optically the best move. Um, I mean, that's how he feels about it, right? That's what he thinks about it, and that's the conclusion he drew. So, you know, I, I, I just – I never knew if that was optically the best move. Uh, I, I think it always – again, I, I think it's just I think it's, – I think it's a bad look. So I think it's a bad look for the region – when you've got the mayor of its biggest city saying, nah, yeah, but it's, I'm, I'm going to support it, but you know, it's not, I don't think it's going to be that great. You know, I, I never thought that was the, I never thought that was the best signal to send, um, especially when we're trying to invite more generational investments here. And, and I think he's done that with other stuff like offshore wind and all that. Don't get me wrong. But I always thought he could be a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more uh, uh, publicly optimistic about um, the potential benefits of South Coast Rail. I uh, just always thought that was a better look. So 508-996-0500, that's how you can get on the program this evening. And uh, so on the record, okay, cool, I can say it. So uh, Senator Mark Montigny said even the threat of this lawsuit by the city is uh, – so he's talking about – so Senator Montigny said um, well, when he was, uh, he was the president of the Fall River Chamber, he introduced, uh, he introduced um, Bill Weld and he said, Montigny, if you don't have rail by 1997, sue me, right? And then uh, he'd, uh, he said he was looking at it, still looking at his 200-year-old trust fund to bring suit, but he said this lawsuit – is frivolous at best on the record. So that's from Senator Mark Montigny. So I think that's pretty interesting. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Let's uh let's let's go to the phones before we have to take a break. Good evening. Hello. Are you are you there, Marcus? Hey, what's up? How you doing, Marcus? I'm well, uh, thanks. You know the thing with this train is uh, the word up in uh, the state house is that the MBTA is on a virtue of uh, bankruptcy. And then all the problems that they have, all these accidents, derailments, and now uh, up in Boston, the train stations, tiles coming down. You got uh, old uh, equipment that's falling from the ceiling and almost uh, killing people there. Uh, I believe it's the the Harvard Square train station. Just recently, uh, I was watching it on Channel 5. So, uh, you know, is this going to benefit us? I got a hunch that uh, it's going to cost the money, uh, the city money down the road. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, The taxpayers, all of us, not just New Bedford, but every taxpayer in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is paying for everybody else's rail service, right? So it doesn't make sense for us to be paying for everybody else's rail service and then say, well, we don't want rail service. Because we're not sure how many people are going to ride it. That doesn't make any sense to it. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense at all, I, I don't think. And the MBTA is, a, I think, obviously uh, in, in an entity that I haven't seen anything recent on any fiscal, um, on any like dire fiscal situations uh, with the MBTA. I haven't seen anything recently. I know there was talk some, some time ago about it's, you know, it's on the verge of well, their, some type their of calamity. Well, uh, their pensions uh, balloon. Uh, yeah, I think they, that's, again, it's been I a mean, talking point for a while. I think that's been, yeah. I think that's been by and large, 
I think that's been by and large resolved. But here's the thing: the pension problem, uh, right? That hasn't been the pension problem hasn't been resolved. Well, here's the thing with the pension problem: it's still on our. <laughs> we're still paying for it either way, so it doesn't even matter. This whole like, oh, well, what about the pensions? And what about the? And what about the? Uh, what about you know uh, the, the the MBTAs in a fiscally uh, um, tenuous position? Okay, we're still paying for it. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. We're not going to pay less for it if we don't get the tra- if we get the train. We're well, going the to get- train is the, the train is currently operating at a loss. Yeah, it's a you know, they're barely breaking even. It's a government. So go ahead, go ahead, Marcus. Well, it's a, it's here's the thing. The the I I'm not of the opinion that government entities, public services, aren't the private sector. So even if the MBTA is operating at a loss. They're not getting the. They're not getting a revenue. They're not getting a revenue ver, uh, for the money that they put into it. Right. It, it doesn't matter. It's supposed to provide a public service to people. Right. Yeah, it, well, it's not. It's not. A, it's not private entity. The, the point well, of private well, business is to well, turn a profit. It's going to make a profit, but it has to cover operating costs and salaries and the pensions and all of that. The other thing is. Uh, the new guy uh, they, that Maura Healy's brought in. From New York. Uh, the head of the MBTA. Yeah. And if you look deep into him, and uh, we came from New York, uh, he was near operating, what, the Staten Island uh, uh, transit system there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, so. guess what? They have their own issues, too, over there. So he didn't, he didn't run that, uh, you know, uh, very well over there either. This guy's not, not going to turn this around over here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I don't know uh, specifically what you're talking about with the with the Staten Island service. I, I mean, I'd have to. Well, uh, look into it. I will. Yeah, I mean, he didn't run, he didn't run that uh, uh, he didn't run that very effectively over there. But my thing is, I got my my impression on this MBTA. It's going to be a boondoggle in the long run, and I think the city is going to be on the tab for any losses because they have city's to on the tab either way. Ridership, and if you don't, you got to cover that that loss. And I think the city's going to be on the hook for that. City's on the hook either way. Uh, well, can the question is, can we afford it? Yes, that's I, mine. That's mine, yes. and I think the mayor shares that concern. In the long run, is it is it well worth it? You know. Again, I, I think where where you've seen where you've seen rail service, you have seen. You have seen in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases, uh, um, economic growth. Wherever that, like, again, another a good example of that. <laughs> oh, sorry, a good example of that is Worcester. I mean, Worcester. Yeah, but you know something, Marcus. I mean, this city. Can we we can uh, turn uh, turn turn this city around economically. We don't need a train. And this at at a time where uh, there's a ne- the beginning of an economic downturn. Uh, most people who work up in Boston, you know, uh, that have uh, white collar jobs, uh, they don't want to take the train. They drive there. They drive up to Boston. They don't want to be on the train. You know what um, I mean? No, I I, I disagree. I, I have I used to I, I had office space in Boston uh, for a while, and um, I drove up to Boston and it uh, for a while, and it sucked. I hated it. I would have much rather, but the problem was taking the Middleborough yeah, line. Saying, but, but I know driving there, but it's, uh, seriously, it's, it's Marcus, terrible. You would take it's, the it's train longer. every it's, day it's, to the office? Driving there is longer than 90 minutes. you got to budget at least two hours, and I'm you're driving. You, 
would you take the train now if, let's say, if you're still yeah. operating, you would? 100%. 100%. I would take the train. If, if there was a station that went down here in New Bedford and I only had to drive 5, 10 minutes back to my house, yeah, I would do that. I would take that deal over, I would take that deal over driving up there, getting caught in traffic, paying for parking, all that stuff. That, that is, what, what, that is what a about nightmare. Peter, would you take the Peter Pan bus instead eh. of the train? No, I'd rather take the train. Well, I'm just saying, you know, uh, this is just my opinion. I, I know, things. I know what your opinion. I, I think in the long term, I don't think it's going to be worth it. But that's my opinion. I you know, when a balloon and pension plan and the the problems that they have with passenger cars, derailments, uh, ceiling tile that's falling up in Boston. I mean, people are concerned. One woman said on Channel Five, she said. Uh, in the interview, he says, you just have to be aware of your surroundings. you got to keep looking up. You know, for what? Pieces of tile and 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 uh, old equipment falling from the ceiling? Yeah. Well, luckily, I don't think there's any tiles at the... Uh, I don't think there's an abundance of tiles at these train stops. So I think we'll be all right. Yeah, well, well <laughs> I hope so. Thanks for the call. Marcus, i got to take this it break. Good, it was good talking to you, Mark. Likewise. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. Um. The voices in the night that cover the news of the day. I heard the voices too. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. More of South Coast Tonight happens now on WBSM. Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. We got some map chats we're going to read right after we take this break. Hey, welcome back. We got some app chats. William from New Bedford says Mitchell's always poo pooed the benefits of travel time, etc. Yeah, yes. I, I, again, I. I don't think it's I, I I don't think it's optically the best move, but you know he's the mayor, so. Uh, um, Empire Strikes and this Jack from New Bedford. Empire Strikes Back is undoubtedly the greatest Star Wars movie. While the greatest scene is Darth Vader killing the Emperor to save Luke and then removing his helmet. Yeah, that is that is a great scene. Um, that's probably the weakest. The uh, Return of the Jedi is probably the weakest. It's definitely the weakest of the trilogy, but I know a lot of people don't like it. I like it. Uh, I think it's great. I, th- I think Mark Hamill's particularly excellent in it, even if some of the other people aren't. Harrison Ford, had, you know, basically wanted his character to be killed off in Empire Strikes Back, so he wasn't trying all that hard in the third movie. Uh, even though Han Solo's, frankly, my like probably my second favorite character in the in the entire franchise. Uh, D- Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker is my first, but um, yeah, a lot of people say Empire Strikes Back is the greatest. It's, it's on a lot of people have it on their top 10 lists of, of all time. And uh, it's it's hard to argue. It's it's a fantastic movie. That scene is great. Um, you know, he's fulfilling his prophecy, right, of returning balance to the force. And it's really, uh, you know, and it's, it's you know, he sees his son suffering, right? He sees his son dying on, on, on the floor. And he then, you know, leaps into action, throws the emperor down a... Down a sh- uh, down a shaft and and um and then he you know he takes his helmet off and he's like oh but father you'll die because it's too late for that it's really cool it's a really that's a really powerful scene and then the little the, you know the 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 burning afterwards it, that's yeah absolutely that's 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 a that that's obviously a very key moment in the in the uh, in the um in the trilogy uh, or in the entire series right of the original story um. My favorite scene is probably still in Rogue One where Darth Vader uh, takes out an entire, um, like, basically takes out an entire uh, battalion of rebels because I think with special effects and all that advancing to the point where it did in, what, 2014, 2015, 
2016, around there, to today, basically, you got to really see the, 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 you got to really experience like the, the depth of how strong he was in a way that you couldn't really experience in the original trilogy because of, you know, choreography. While special effects, you know, in that movie were well ahead of its time, right? Were amazing. You couldn't really, you couldn't really get the, 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 the depth of how strong and how, how imposing he was as a villain. Um, because of how far behind choreography and special effects were still 30, 40 years ago. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's that's great. It's May the 4th, so May the 4th be with you. So I'm asking people, if you're just tuning in, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? And that's going to be a floating topic throughout the show, and uh, that's going to be my commentary. I'm going to nerd out on it a little bit, and so um, I hope you like it. I think most of you do. I think most people like Star Wars.